Hey everyone, you're listening to Yap Snacks, a series of bite-sized content hosted by me, Hala Taha. Today we're going to be talking about brain health and why it is the keystone of our entire well-being. Did you know the American Heart Association says that the brain begins to show cognitive decline as a person enters their 20s? Yes, as young as your 20s, you can show cognitive decline. And failing brain health is actually considered a public health epidemic. So what is brain health exactly? Brain health can easily be described as how well someone is able to perform their daily activities. This encases every aspect of our days, including problem solving, decision making, comprehension and learning, and even our social interactions. Our brain health is what allows us to balance all of these tasks with ease. You might have noticed that the older that you get, the more difficult these tasks become. Most of the time, these changes are small and incremental, but over time, these changes begin to add up into large functional declines. If our brain health is such a vital part of our everyday life, how do we keep it running at 100%? The wonderful team at YAP has found four hacks to better your brain health, and we are excited to share them with you. So let's get into it. Hack number one is daily maintenance. Brain health is directly correlated to the overall health of your body. The first things doctors recommend to their patients who are struggling with brain health is diet and exercise. But I tend to categorize those two under what I call daily maintenance. Let's start off with exercise for your body and your mind. Blood flow is a key takeaway when it comes to learning about a healthy brain. Blood transports oxygen and crucial nutrients to every cell in your body, along with flushing toxins from those cells. Your brain uses 20% of all oxygen in your blood. Yep, 20% of all the oxygen in your blood is used by your brain. And a large part of that is directed to the hippocampus, the region of our brain that is used for memory. A study in 2017 found that individuals with higher fitness levels and a stronger hippocampus scored better tests involving memory. Now, I know that we all have heard about the benefits of exercise, but did you know there's an optimal way to exercise for brain health specifically? The best kind of exercise is when you're able to work your brain and body at the same time. Activities that involve coordination, like ping pong and dancing. In episode number 132, I talked with Dr. Daniel Amen, one of America's leading psychiatrists and brain health experts, about brain boosting habits and how participating in coordination heavy activities can actually work out our brains. Really quick, I do want to talk about coordination and how coordination and dancing and doing things like playing ping pong can actually improve your brain. And any other tips that you can give us in terms of things that I would have never known if I wasn't studying you that like dancing would be good for my brain. What are some little things that we can pick up and start doing that can help improve ourselves that aren't so obvious? So table tennis is the world's best brain game because you got to get your eyes, hands, and feet all working together while you think about the spin on the ball. Now, not beer pong. It's like dancing is amazing because it's a coordination exercise, but not if you're drinking while you're dancing. So um, the cerebellum in the back bottom part of the brain has half the brain's neurons. Cerebellum is Latin for little brain, It's involved in coordination, but so much more. When we activate that with coordination exercises, people think better. They actually make better decisions. So being involved with coordination exercises on a regular basis is great for you. Yeah, I totally, I think just any physical activity, I can correlate from when I started becoming successful was when I started going to the gym. Like literally, I feel like it changed my mind. It changed the way that I thought. 
Dr. Daniel Amen and I also covered how diet plays a part in your brain health. And then one of my friends published a study that said as your weight goes up, the size of your brain goes down. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) I'm like, no, 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 no. And that actually gave me the motivation to lose the 20 pounds I'd been trying to lose for 30 years because I'm not ever doing anything purposefully to have a smaller brain. That's a brand violation for me. And then I looked at my own database because I have a group of normal scan, normal people, healthy people. And I didn't sort of separate out the people who are overweight or obese from the people who are healthy weight. So I looked at that and being overweight significantly was associated with low blood flow to the front part of the brain. Things like focus and forethought and judgment and impulse control. And then I was doing a big NFL study at the time. I looked at my NFL players who are overweight versus healthy weight. Again, low blood flow. And then I coined a term called the dinosaur syndrome, big body, little brain. You're going to become extinct. We need to get serious about this. And then last year, I published a huge study on 35,000 scans and found there is basically a linear correlation. As your weight goes up, the function of your brain goes down everywhere. And we're in trouble with 42% of us over, no, 42% of us obese in the United States, 72% of us overweight. This is the biggest brain drain in the history of the United States. Plus, I have a mnemonic I like if you want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it. If it's headed for trouble, you have to prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. And we know what they are, and the mnemonic is called bright minds. Well, if you're overweight, you have six of them. Just being overweight, because the fat on your body, if you're overweight, it lowers blood flow. We just talked about that. It prematurely ages the brain. Bright Minds stands for blood flow, retirement and aging, inflammation, genetics, head trauma, toxins, mental health, immunity and infection issues, neurohormone deficiencies, diabetes, and sleep issues. Given that your brain is about 80% water, the first rule of brain nutrition is adequate water to hydrate your brain. Even slight dehydration can raise stress hormones, which can damage your brain over time. Drink at least 84 ounces of water a day without artificial sweeteners, sugar, caffeine, or alcohol. You may also want to restrict your calorie intake. Substantial research in animals and now in humans indicate that a calorie-restricted diet is helpful for brain and life longevity. Eating less helps you live longer. It controls weight, it decreases risk for heart disease, cancer, and stroke from obesity, and it triggers the production of nerve growth factors, which are helpful to the brain. Remember, even if we think we're only feeding our bodies, we are always also feeding our brain. Dr. Daniel Amen recommends seven superfoods for brain health, including hemp seeds, turmeric, Brazil nuts, seaweed, pea protein, sardines, and gluten-free whole oats. A number of studies have shown that dietary intake of antioxidants from fruits and vegetables significantly reduce the risk of developing cognitive impairment. Free radical formation plays a major role in the deterioration of the brain with age. When a cell converts oxygen into energy, tiny molecules called free radicals are made. And when these are produced in normal amounts, 
free radicals work to rid the body of harmful toxins, thereby keeping it healthy. But when produced in toxic amounts, free radicals damage the body's cellular machinery, resulting in cell death and tissue damage. The best antioxidant fruits and vegetables include blueberries, blackberries, cranberries, strawberries, spinach, raspberries, Brussels sprouts, plums, broccoli, and avocados. And beware of fad diets like the Atkins diet. The idea of eating protein and fat only and avoiding grains, fruits, and vegetables may be a quick way to lose weight, but it's not a healthy long-term way to eat for your brain or your body. In my conversation in episode number 25 with Peter Jansen, an expert in biohacking the mind and body, we chatted about gut health and how everything in the body is tied to the brain. There's a difference between nutrigenics and nutrigenomics. Hmm. Nutrigenomics is basically the nutrients that you give your DNA. And nutrigenics is the nutrients your DNA requires. So it depends what side you're looking at it from. Now, if you're looking at it in terms of gut health and brain health, yes, the intestine is actually our second brain. There's a lot of neurological connections from our brain to our intestine and to our heart as well. So the way I see it, we have three brains we need to start learning how to think from. And we need to balance these out. So the gut, we balance through eating the right things and maintaining a really good gut balance in terms of the right probiotics, the right nutrients, the right fibers, soluble and unsoluble fibers, uh, the right hydration, and so on. And there's people out there who say, and I agree with them, that death begins in the gut. Yes, but so does the healing of pretty much every disease. And I'm not going to say every single one of them, but pretty much every one mm-hmm. begins to start healing it from the gut. Now, if you use nutrigenomics for this, you are essentially giving the right nutrients to your genetic code to turn on or off a genetic expression. That's all it is. It's the switch. It's a binary system. A genetic expression is either on or off. If you, for example, want to rejuvenate, well, then you activate the nerve too. If you want your mitochondria to work better, then you activate the nerve one. And you do this kinds of things. Of course, if you do both, you're sort of balancing it out. and It's all about that balance. It's still quite new. And there are tests that you can have done. And before, when I started taking them, they were, well, I live in Europe, so they were 1,200 euros, which at the time was like $1,500. Hmm. And now you can get it for like 100 or $200 or something like that. I know there's companies in the U.S. and in India who have really great services. And you basically just send a saliva sample and they'll have everything for you. And it'll tell you things like what you can eat, what you can't eat, what you shouldn't eat, what you should eat. And it can tell you also what illnesses you might get because of your genetic makeup. Brain health hack number two, stress. Stress also plays a huge factor in your brain health. It's common to feel forgetful and unorganized when we're under a lot of stress. While we might think these are one-off situations, the longer we let our brain remain in a stressful state, the worse it is for our brain's health. A Harvard Medical School study showed that stress activates the survival portion of our brain while it neglects the higher thinking region. Prolonged stress causes that survival portion to grow and develop, while our higher thinking, memory, decision-making, and cognitive functions remain underdeveloped. Managing stress, just like stress itself, is unique to everyone, so finding ways to relieve your stress is crucial. I spoke with Dr. Caroline Leaf, a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist, about her five-step neurocycle to heal burnout and toxic stress. We don't think it's a fate, but it is, because those little traumas are 
are, are basically converging and growing and becoming as traumatic as these. And we're not managing those either. So that's also what I'm proposing. Not, not only do we need to detox the traumas of the past, we need the patterns. We need to look for the patterns. The patterns tell us what is big. And then we need to spend dedicated 15 to 45 minutes a day working on the patterns. But you've also got to manage your moment by moment. You wake up in the morning, you've got to go to work, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to be a parent, whatever. Whatever it is that you do, how are you doing it? Are you getting mad? Are you getting irritated? Are you getting crazy in traffic? Are you snapping at everyone? What are, are you freaking out at every news bulletin? Are you scrolling through social media and getting imposter syndrome every time you look at the comments on or someone else's post? You know, what are you doing? No one's talking about that. We have to manage that too. We have to self-regulate 24-7. And when I say 24-7, consciously and deliberately when you're awake, you can actually do it every 10 seconds. The neuroscience shows you can stand back and observe your own thinking and monitor yourself and change yourself. So like in other words, if you're in a conversation, in a business meeting, and you find yourself getting terribly worked up because of what someone's saying, and you're getting really mad, and you're getting want to say something nasty. You can do the neurocycle on that in that moment in five seconds, and you can get yourself calm and under control. Then let's say you go from then you can benefit from the meeting. Then you can go from that meeting. Maybe you pick up the kids from school or something, and they're all fighting in the car, and you're going crazy because you haven't quite processed the meeting, and you're upset about that and other kids. And or you can do a neurocycle and get yourself under control each time. You can have an argument, have to get onto a podcast, or someone says something, or you get a terrible email, now you've got to interview someone, because uh, you and I are doing that a lot, um, interviewing people, you've got to be really focused. It's not easy to interview someone, and then you may have, something may have upset you, so you could have done a neurocycle just before to get your mind back. In other words, we should be monitoring our mind, and we are designed to do that every 10 seconds when we're awake. And then at nighttime, our mind's still working and sorting out what we've done during the day. So if we've got a good neurocycle system, if we are managing our mind, if our, self, if our mind management's in place during the day, that means when we go into the night, we go in with a more peaceful sleep. Because sleep has been so badly affected over the last 40 years as well. What's up, Yap Bam? Being an entrepreneur and working remotely definitely has its perks. And I know a lot of you listening in are in the same boat as me. But do you really take advantage of being able to work from anywhere? I know I typically don't, but thankfully this past holiday, I finally decided to make use of my work flexibility for the first time ever. My boyfriend and I decided to pack up and leave to the West Coast to spend an entire month working from home in the sun. We got a super cute bungalow in Venice Beach with a fenced backyard. The change in scenery, the fresh air, and the slower pace to help me to inspire some really cool new ideas for my business. And honestly, I'm feeling really refreshed and ready to rock in 2024. And who helped me make these remote work dreams come true? It was Airbnb. And Airbnb has come in clutch for me time and time again. Whether it's finding the perfect Airbnb home for our three-day annual executive team get-together or booking a vacation where my extended family can fit all in one place, Airbnb always makes it a great experience. And you know me, I'm always thinking of my latest business venture and I've been begging my boyfriend to start hosting our place on Airbnb. And finally, we're gonna start. So many of my successful friends host on Airbnb and it's such an amazing way to generate passive income. So to start, we have a plan to start spending more time in Miami and we'll be hosting our place to earn some extra money when we're back on the East Coast. 2024 goals and I'll keep you updated. A lot of people don't realize that they might have an Airbnb right under their own noses. I was pretty surprised myself. You can Airbnb your place or spare room even if you're out of town for just a few days or weeks. You could do what I did and work remotely somewhere else and Airbnb your place to fund your trip. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host to find out how much your home is worth. Young and profiters, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. With inspiration at our fingertips and powerful tools at our disposal, the possibilities are endless. And when it comes to tools that can truly make your business grow, there's one name that always stands out, Shopify. <coughs> Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the real store with the door stage. And even the, did we just hit a million orders stage? And if you're in that, I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts from blog posts to product descriptions. Not to mention Shopify also is the home of the best converting checkouts in the game, 36% better than other leading commerce platforms. Shopify turns browsers into buyers. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And you can sell whatever, whenever with Shopify. Push pleated pants with Shopify's in-person POS system or monetize mindful meditation. I sell my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass through Shopify and they've made my life a breeze. It took a couple days to set up my store and I just get to focus on what I do best, creating great content and marketing my product. So don't stress if you're new to this commerce thing. Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. And remember, whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting and that's all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash profiting to start growing your business today. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. I want to talk to all you employers out there and let's talk about company culture. At Yap Media, we have a super unique company culture. We are all obsessed with excellence and we even call ourselves this really cute name, Scrappy Hustlers. We're all Scrappy Hustlers at Yap Media. And my team is growing fast. And hiring is a pain in the butt, especially if you're looking for A players that are gonna roll up their sleeves. But luckily, when it comes to hiring, I no longer feel overwhelmed by the search for the perfect candidate because I use Indeed, the ultimate hiring platform. Indeed's matching engine always presents me with a pool of high quality candidates that match my job description to a T. If you're tired of drowning in your hiring pool, Indeed is here to rescue you. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging your candidates, making the entire hiring process a breeze. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I've hired some of my best employees at Indeed, some of my best scrappy hustlers. With over 140 million qualifications and preferences analyzed every day, Indeed is constantly learning from your hiring preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets at actually hiring your perfect match. Join the ranks of more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that have already chosen Indeed to hire great talent. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash profiting. Just go to Indeed.com slash profiting right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash profiting. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
You're putting in the work to better yourself. Why not put the same effort into your hiring process at work? It doesn't take much. It just takes Indeed. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed can help you hire the right people right now. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. And you can even invite them to apply right away. Indeed is the number one industry go-to when people are looking for a new job. This is where the cream of the crop candidates go when they're looking. Anytime I was looking for a job, the first place I went to was Indeed. And with Indeed Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post, according to Indeed data. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash YAP. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash YAP. Indeed.com slash YAP. The offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our third hack for boosting brain health is getting better sleep. As Dr. Caroline Leaf stated, our sleep has been badly affected for the past 40 years. Did you know 35% of all adults in the U.S. say that they sleep less than seven hours a night? As you likely know, eight hours is the recommended amount that all sleep experts stand by for the average adult. We're facing a sleep epidemic. In fact, it's part of our hustle culture to wear our lack of sleep like a badge of honor. So what happens when we don't get enough sleep? What happens to our brains and our bodies? In episode number 127, I spoke with Dr. Mita Singh, a sleep medicine doctor and sleep performance consultant, and she answered all of my questions about sleep and its importance. So when you're asleep, Hala, your brain is disengaged from the environment as well as unresponsive, right? And because your brain is disengaged, it forces both your brain and your body to rest. So unless sleep had some absolutely essential function, it would be a colossal wastage of time. So imagine, I mean, you know, while you're asleep, you can't protect yourself. You cannot procreate. You can't eat food or, you know, you can't get nutrition in. So it really, it, it has to be serving some essential purpose. Otherwise, it would be evolution's biggest mistake. And in fact, now we know that sleep affects every physiological function. So every physiological function that you have is affected if you don't get enough sleep. So let's, you know, we can start with the head, right? We know sleep exists deep in the brain. So you need sleep to pay attention to something, you know, for your reaction time. You need sleep for good judgment. If you don't get enough sleep, if you wake up in the morning, you're that part of the brain that's responsible for good judgment, multitasking, creativity, good decision-making gets impaired while the emotional part of your brain becomes overactive. And can you imagine, like, there is no other field, there's no job that people can do in which that would be a good thing. You know, that has to be, that has to be something that people want to avoid. But for people like you, Hala, creativity is really important. And that aspect of creativity in which you take in new information, put it together with previously stored information, and then come up with new solutions or, you know, novel ideas, that happens while you're sleeping. 
You know, it's so important. So any information you take in during the day, memory consolidation happens at night. So that was just the brain. But in fact, and you know, the other thing I would say, mental health is, you know, so sleep has this bi-directional relationship with mental health. So if you don't get enough sleep, you're likely to be grumpier, you're more anxious, more, less likely to be able to cope with the stressors of the next day. And, you know, if you can't cope with these stresses, then you're going to be more anxious and that's going to be a bad thing. And and of course, if you go, go down the body, you know, your heart, your liver, your kidneys, your every organ you have, has to have that nightly reset in which it prepares for functioning the next day. And that's what happens when you're sleeping. It's so interesting how sleep literally impacts everything. It just, it seems like it impacts everything. And you wouldn't suspect that the way you sleep might impact the way you perform at work, but it drastically does, like drastically does. So what is the proper amount of sleep that everybody should get? Because there are some people out there that claim they can sleep on two to four hours a night, you know, and is that like BS? Like, is there a different amount per person? Does it depend on your profession? How much sleep should we get? So the simple answer is that according to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, Adults need seven to nine hours of sleep. There is, of course, some human variability, right? So somebody may need a little bit more, somebody may need a little less. But if you're getting less than six hours of sleep, you're likely to be impaired. But here's the funny part. And that might explain why people say that, oh, I can get by with less sleep. So one of the things that happens when you get less sleep on a chronic basis, so instead of getting You know, if you need about eight hours and instead of eight hours, you're getting six and a half hours every day. And so your sleep deprived, you know, that sleep deprivation, it sort of accumulates. Mm -hmm. You get used to it, right? Yes, exactly. So that self-perception of knowing how sleepy you are, you lose that. So your judgment gets impaired. So it's very much like, you know, when you're drinking alcohol, the person who's drinking is the last person you should be asking whether they're fit to drive. Similarly, If you're getting less sleep on a chronic basis, your perception of how much sleep you need is really off and your judgment is off. So I'm not surprised I say that they can get by with less sleep. So of course there's some variability, but yeah, that's the answer. That's really interesting because I know what you mean. I, for a long time, I worked in corporate and I had this podcast. And so I had a very busy life where I would get like five hours of sleep, honestly, every night, max, sometimes four hours. I was really unhealthy at that time because I was just trying to make things happen, you know? And to your point, once I like quit my full-time job and became an entrepreneur and started getting more sleep, I'm like, wow, I feel so much better now that I'm getting all this sleep. Like I felt like a new person, like just so much more energetic and so much quicker. So it is true. Like you just get used to not getting enough sleep. So be careful. Don't, don't just uh, become a chronic non-sleeper, right? I got to say one thing. So an entrepreneur, one of the things they do is they look at ideas and see whether those ideas are, are they valid ideas? Are they ideas that are going to be useful? Well, you need judgment for that, right? And if you don't get enough sleep, your judgment is impaired. And there's been studies that show that the ability to tell whether an idea or a business idea is viable or not is affected by how much sleep you're getting. And the other thing I say is that things like, and especially amongst the people that I work with, when it comes to like top athletes or, you know, CEOs, their emotional intelligence makes 
a big difference to how they're going to operate, right? Whether they have empathy, whether they have the ability to connect with people, whether they have the ability to motivate and inspire other people, you know, that all of that, all those functions, Hala, are a function of a well-rested brain. You can't really get there if you don't get enough sleep. And the other thing is that because most of the athletes I work with are elite athletes, these elite athletes, one thing that to be an elite athlete, you need to be able to recognize your emotions and you need to be able to regulate those emotions while you're playing. Everybody can play really, really well while you're practicing. But when you're out on the field or when you're on that, you know, court and you're, you know, it's the NBA game five going on, you have all that pressure of your coach, your family members, the fans, etc. To be able to keep your cool then, that is what differentiates you from, you know, another elite athlete. And that's what gives you that competitive edge. And guess what? That emotional, every step of that emotional regulation, that is what sleep is important for. So if you don't get enough sleep, that gets dysregulated. And I always tell people when I'm working with them, I I remind them of that. You're very young. You may not even remember. I don't know if you remember that story of Mike Tyson. He was in a fight. When he bit the ear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when he bit the ear, first of all, he immediately got fined $3 million and he couldn't play or he couldn't fight for another year. Right. So that's, you know, that decision in which somebody said something, he got angry and decided to pay attention to the situation. And then that that decision making of whether he should respond or walk away, that sort of split second decision, that's what gets impaired if you don't get enough sleep. So interesting. I'd love to understand kind of like the science behind it. There's a couple of things that really piqued my interest. The fact that you said that creativity is really impacted by how much sleep you get. And then also the judgment, decision-making. What's like the science behind all of that? Like why does it get impacted if you get less sleep? So what we know right now is we can tell because when you get let in sleep deprivation studies, that the part of the brain that are responsible for good decision-making, judgment, et cetera, they get impaired. Like they're not lighting up as much as while the amygdala, which is the emotional brain, is overactive. So that's the first step in these research studies. In the second research studies, then these experiments are designed in which people are either they're sleep deprived or, you know, at another time they have get enough sleep and then they're actually their judgment is measured. And in fact, there's this really interesting story from Harvard. And what they found is that when sleep deprived individuals are given stimulants like caffeine or modafinil, you know, there are drugs out there that can increase your reaction time. Well, they get less sleepy, their reaction time improves, they become faster and more accurate. But the one thing that doesn't get affected is their judgment. So they just continue to make bad decisions faster. So sleep occurs deep in the brain. And typically what happens while you're sleeping is that there is memories are played and they're, they're, they may be played at faster rates. There is pruning of unnecessary information. There are more connections and circuits being formed of information that you need. There's also this function during your sleep that while you're asleep, blood rushes through your brain like a power wash and it washes out all the toxins that have accumulated during the day. And so it's 
the simplest way to explain it would be to think of it as a nightly reset button. So it's the same thing that happens to a machine, right? Whenever you have a machine, you have to give it some downtime so that it can recover, so they can do the work again the next day. So think of it as like a nightly investment for your for optimal functioning the next day. Young and profiters, I've got a fun fact for you. Did you know that by 2030, over 85% of the jobs that will exist haven't even been invented yet? And that's why we need to acquire new skills and stay relevant and adaptable. By embracing lifelong learning, we can future-proof our careers and our businesses. That's why you've got to check out Economist Education. Economist Education provides online executive education courses tailor-made for professionals just like us, crafted by The Economist's own editors and special experts. Economist Education courses are designed to sharpen your professional skills in key areas like data storytelling, critical thinking, sustainability, and so much more. I highly recommend checking out the Economist Education course, Business Writing and Storytelling. It's packed with valuable practical advice on how to inform and persuade through writing reports, social media, presentations, and beyond. The best part, these courses are online, flexible, and self-paced, lasting anywhere from two to six weeks. You're guided by expert tutors. You'll dive into a mix of videos, podcasts, texts, quizzes, and weekly assignments. Plus, you'll get a three-month digital subscription to The Economist to support your learning journey. Economist Education provides access to online forums where you can network with peers around the globe. In a world where knowledge is power, Economist Education empowers you to lead the way. Economist Education is an incredible way to stay ahead in business. And I've got a special offer to get you started. Get 15% off any course only available by going to my special URL, education.economist.com profiting, and then enter the promo code profiting at registration. This offer ends on March 31st, so don't wait. For 15% off, go now to education.economist.com slash profiting and use code profiting. Again, this ends on March 31st. If you want 15% off, you've got to go to education.economist.com slash profiting and use promo code profiting at registration. Young and profiters, I actually have a nasty habit of ordering way too many groceries. I'm embarrassed to say it, but I've wasted so much food in the past and I felt really guilty about it, but now my conscience is clear with HelloFresh. Each week, I get ingredients shipped to me with step-by-step recipes. I get fresh, pre-measured ingredients that get me whipping up delicious dinners in no time. And then I reduce waste because you get exactly what you need and nothing else. I love trying new foods and HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-ons to choose from every single week. It's so much fun to pick out my meals. It's easier than ever to find something that everybody in your family will enjoy. I personally like to stick with the basics when it comes to HelloFresh. I get their meat and veggies plan. I love the options they have for that. And trust me, it's cheaper than takeout and with pre-proportioned ingredients, you'll never waste money on excess food. And now Green Chef is owned by HelloFresh which gives me an even wider variety of meals to choose from. There's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands and you can enjoy both brands at a discount with me now. Skip the grocery store and save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered to your door. Go to hellofresh.com slash profitingfree and use code profitingfree for free breakfast for life. That's one breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash profitingfree with code profitingfree. Our fourth and last brain hack is continued learning. Challenging our brain by learning new skills is an amazing way to keep it healthy and sharp. Whether you learn a new language, an instrument, or a new skill for your career, 
learning is the best thing you can do for your brain health. The entire process of learning a new skill encourages brain development. Creating a mental sweat causes your brain to create new cells and strengthen existing connections. This strengthening causes the white matter of your brain to thicken, which improves cognitive function, memory, and concentration. The creation of new cells and pathways causes electrical impulses to travel faster, which allows all of these new functions to happen quicker. In episode number 107, I spoke with author, researcher, and speaker Josh Kaufman about how easy it is to learn a new skill and that you can learn any new skill in just 20 hours. You don't need to get bogged down by that old thought that you need to spend 10,000 hours to learn something new. That's bogus. You don't need to be the best in the world at your new skill. You just need to be pretty good at it to get by. Here's Josh breaking down how you can learn a new skill in just 20 hours. In a series of studies, the most famous one being of of violinists, trying to predict who are going to be the top violinists from a particular school. And they did studies of, well, how much did those violinists practice under the idea that, well, you know, probably the folks who practiced more are are probably better at playing the violin. And some of those studies basically said, yeah, that's, that's true. And the rough order of magnitude to get to be the best of the best was around 10,000 hours plus or minus. Um, There has been some additional uh, research that indicates the variation of that is extreme. So, you know, think of it as, you know, error bars above or below 10,000 hours. It, it, like the error bars are like three or four thousand dollars or three or four thousand hours a piece. Like just the range of mastery is extreme. So there was, it's an interesting question, right? Like if you want to become the best in the world of, of something or like, you know, in the top 0.001% of a particular skill, what does it take to get there? Interesting question. Like, you want to be a professional athlete? How much are you going to need to practice? Like, in going to our conversation earlier about status, that feels like really, really interesting and cool to think about, right? Like, how much of my life would I have to invest in in something to be like like an Olympic gold medalist or you know things like that? And so, most of the research and most of the conversation around skill was all about that question, like. What does it take to get to mastery? How do you become the best in the world? And I realized at at a certain point, like, that's not the question. That's not the question for most of us. The question is, if we want to learn how to do something that we're not able to do right now, we're not talking about mastery at all. We're talking about competence. We're, We're talking about going from nothing to like doing something. We're not competing against the world. We're competing against ourselves and our previous lack of ability. And so I wanted to answer the question of what does it take to go from nothing to being pretty good? And and that is really, it's a valuable topic to consider and think about and, and care about. Because particularly for adults, when we begin learning something we've never done before, those early hours of practice are hell. Like, it's just, it's frustrating. Like, you think it feels like you should be able to do this thing and you just can't get yourself to do it for whatever reason. And what I found with adult learners is that people give up way too quickly. So there's an enormous amount of psychological research that says the most efficient hours of practice that we will ever spend are the early hours. Like, we improve 
think of it like per hour of effort invested, the biggest rate of improvement is right at the beginning. It's just the beginning's really difficult. And so most people never make it. And, and so what I found both through research and then replicating it in my own experiments is the first 20-ish hours of practice are very frustrating, very difficult, but very effective. And so, you know, the, the level of skill or the level of competence that you're able to achieve after a very small amount of practice in the grand scheme of things is pretty significant. And so if you have a way of making those early hours of practice more effective and more efficient than they otherwise could be or would be without having a plan, you can become way, way better at a huge variety of things. You know, whatever personal or professional things that you care about, a very narrow strategic investment of time and energy can, can produce some very extreme rewards. And, um, you just need to, to go about doing it in a smart way. Thanks for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. And I hope that you enjoyed this week's Yap Snacks. Those were our top four hacks for a healthy brain. You might think that it's too late to start or that giving up certain foods and taking the time out of your day to exercise and learn a new skill might be way too difficult. So to encourage you to take this journey seriously and to increase the likelihood that you'll go out and take action towards better brain health, I wanted to leave you with some great words from Dr. Daniel Amen. I think of it purely as an act of love, that it's not deprivation. I'm not depriving myself of something it's I love myself and I love my family and I love my mission. I need a good brain to actualize those things because I know you you think about business and work a lot with business. Well, what's the organ of success in business? It's your brain. And so, right, it's a series of decisions that you purposefully make over time. That's what grows great businesses. And uh, so I avoid things that hurt it, bad food, don't hit soccer balls with my head, thoughtful when I drive. And then I engage in regular brain healthy habits, relationships, sleep. You know, you want to feel better tomorrow, go to bed early tonight. That sleep is absolutely essential. Simple supplements, multiple vitamin, fish oil, vitamin D. You know, we talked about COVID-19. People have low levels of vitamin D died more often than people who had healthy levels. I mean, how simple is that? I mean, super simple. Your best defense against COVID-19 is your immune system and your brain, right? It's the decisions that you make day in and day out. How'd you feel about this episode? Tell me your main takeaway by leaving us a five-star review on Apple, CastBox, Podbean, or your favorite podcast platform. You guys can find me on Instagram at yapwithhala or LinkedIn. Just search for my name. It's Hala Taha. Big thanks to the Yap team as always. This is Hala signing off.